of Spooky South Coast right here on WBSM. Again, a little bit belated due to the NCAA tournament, but we are here for you. We're going to try and pack in two hours of paranormal talk. I have not discussed that with my cohorts, Matt Costa, who's manning the controls, and Matt Moniz, our science advisor, who's manning our brains. Hopefully. Somebody has to. I got your back. All right. So we're going to try and do two hours if we can. Uh, you know, We need you to join along and help us out with that. And you can do so by calling us at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 for Wareham and the Cape. And, of course, you can check us out on the web at www.spookysouthcoast.com where you can learn all kinds of interesting information, such as the fact that Matt Costa here is actually a Sasquatch. I am. I'm it's, quite hairy. It is one of the new raging debates on the on the message board. Costa's Crypt, which is one of the many rooms on the message board, apparently is the popular hangout for the paranormal folk. I, I don't know why. Looking at you, I can't figure that out. I'm not sure either. I mean, no, you look like a pretty normal guy. I'm just kidding. No, you don't look normal at all. You do look like a Sasquatch, and I can understand why people would mistake you for one. But don't worry, because if you're a Sasquatch, I'm a troll. <laughs> so it all works out in the end. And also, we'd like to take a moment to say hello to some of our friends around the world. That's right. Spooky South Coast is global. We have now hit five continents. What are you waiting for, South America? What, do you not speak English? We, uh, we've had friends join us from Japan, Australia, the U.K., and Canada. So what we would like for you to do is, if you're listening to us from somewhere out there beyond the range of WBSM's listenership, we want you to send us an email, tim at spookysouthcoast.com, matt at spookysouthcoast.com, or the brand-new email address, scienceadvisor at spookysouthcoast.com, if you want to reach Matt Moniz. We'd like to find out where you're calling from, and we'd like to hear some of the paranormal history of your area. No Kazakhstan yet. No Kazakhstan yet. I don't know if uh, if Kazakhstan will be joining us, but I there's. Think we should call out to Kazakhstan. We are. I mean, this is an open invitation Especially to all Kazakhstan. of the world to please share your paranormal information with us. Share your stories, because that's what we're here for. We're not here to hear ourselves talk, because you know we do that all day long. We've been talking to ourselves for years. We want to talk to you. We want to find out what you think about the paranormal. And of course, tonight we're going to be joined by a very special guest, somebody who knows way more about the paranormal than. Well, myself and Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, of course, has been battling this stuff for almost 20 years. But Kristen Gartland of the Gartland, I'm sorry, of the Atlantic Paranormal Society, you know them as Taps from the Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Hunters program. She'll be joining us just in a moment, and she wants to talk to you and hear your stories as well. So uh, why don't we? Burn off some of those many commercials that we have to go through tonight, left over from the basketball. Thank you, NCAA tournament. You don't eat enough of our time already. No, just kidding. We love it here. Uh, Matt, anybody left in your bracket? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Uh-huh. 
Spooky South Coast on WBSM. Again, a little bit of a belated edition, but a very special edition nonetheless. That's because we have a terrific guest joining us tonight. You know her as Kristen from Ghost Hunter. She's Kristen Gartland of the Atlantic Paranormal Society. She got interested in the paranormal at about age 15 when she had a spirit in her stepmom's house. And ever since then, it's interested her. And uh, she says that... She's written several articles for the Taps Para magazine. She's been featured in the Boston Globe and on various Boston radio stations that we can't mention. And also, uh, she lectures at the Boston Center for Adult Education uh, as part of New England Paranormal, usually every other month. And, of course, you can check out the Atlantic Paranormal Society's website to find out when those lectures are. But right now, she's joining us here on Spooky South Coast. How are you tonight, Kristen? Good. How are you? Oh, we're just spectacular. Awesome. And, uh, of course, we the main reason that we, we wanted to have you on is because everybody talks about TAPS. Everybody talks about ghost hunters. It's really huge. It's really what's helped foster this newfound interest in the paranormal. What are you guys hearing on your end of things? I mean, do you hear about this? Has it increased your caseload? Has it increased your desire for membership? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, we get emails... I probably probably about 500 a week just wow. requesting cases, yeah. And then the others are, you know, they want to be members and they want to learn more about the paranormal. So, yeah, it really has heightened everybody's interest, and we get a lot of emails over it. And, and a lot of groups have popped up on, on their own around, you know, based on the TAPS formula now, which, you know, uh, Jason and Grant, they have a very scientific approach to things. Oh, yeah. And, and in your opinion, I mean, is the scientific approach better than the traditional, you know, psychic dousing rod type approach? Uh, you know, I think everybody has different opinions on it, but if, you know, we want to show solid evidence, I mean, we can't do that by having somebody come in and say, I feel that there's something here, you know, show me what's here. So I like that that's the way that they do things, and, you know, if we don't have anything as far as evidence goes, then we really can't base fact on that. So I think it works out better for us, and it just shows people that we actually put a scientific approach in it, and we're not just using crystals and, you know, all kinds of weird stuff to say that there's ghosts there. And of course, uh, one of the biggest problems in that field is so many charlatans that uh, come in and they charge you, you know, $300 under the auspices of removing some sort of spirit. And TAP takes a different approach where they don't necessarily say they're going into a haunted place. They're not going to deem it haunted unless they have the evidence to do so. Right. Yeah, we don't ever charge either. Um, I think that people who charge, uh, it's just, it, it's wrong. I mean, you know, you're, there's people from, you know, all walks of life and all income levels. I mean, how do you justify charging somebody $300 because they have something wrong with their electrical wires and they think it's a ghost? I mean, you really can't, you know. Especially where if uh, if it turns out not to be something paranormal, they're going to have to shell out that kind of money anyway for, you know, an electrician or something or a plumber or something. Yeah. And now, when you guys go out into one of these cases, uh, there's a process that we don't always see on television of uh, interview process, I assume, beforehand, where you talk to the people and you try to rule out any kind of, you know, uh, uh, mental disorder or mental problem. Or, yep. I mean, what, what kind of uh, tests do you put <clears throat> people through? Um, I actually, for the people that um, I deal with, I actually wrote out a questionnaire myself, just basic questions 
um, how long have you lived at the house, uh, how many people live there, how many people sleep there, how many people have experienced it, is everybody in agreement with what's going on, um, we ask what they think it is, um, we ask a history of mental illness, a history of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, anything like that. Um, you know, we ask if they're on medication. Anything that they tell us is, is always confidential. And no, that's why you don't see that on TV because, I mean, it is confidential. You know, if somebody's on a psych med, obviously they don't want other people to know that. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're crazy and seeing things. It just it helps us to understand what's going on. And so, if, if you had to take a guess about what percentage of the cases that you guys uh, follow up on, would you say you can rule out in those initial phases? Um... It's hard sometimes because you really have to be there in order to say that you really think that there is something or there isn't. I mean, if they give you, it, it, usually you can tell validity of someone when they're like, oh, God, don't think I'm crazy, but mm -hmm. you know when they say that, that, you know, they really are scared and, and something's going on. Um, but about 80% of the cases that we get are not paranormal. And, so, oh. Considering the success of ghost hunters now, you must have a pretty high percentage of people that call up and say, hey, I think I have a great case for ghost hunters. Yeah, we do, actually. <laughs> people that just want to be on television. <clears throat> um, I don't know. Was, yeah, we, we do get a good percentage of those. I mean, but we also get, you know, there's um, a haunt. I mean, we're in New England, and, New, you know, New England is famously haunted. I mean, that's all you hear about is uh, Salem and places down the Cape and, um so we're always getting emails of where they want us to go, that you know, Gettysburg, and everybody knows someplace that's haunted that they want us to check out. So it's, it's, it's hard, you know. We, we're trying to help people, so it's kind of hard to always have to go to or always try to tell people, I'm sorry, you know, we can't do that, you know, we're booked or, or whatever. But we do. We get a lot of emails of where people want us to go and what they think is haunted, and it's, it's rough to weed through those emails. Well, one of the things that TAPS has been able to do, they've been able to build, uh, build a network of other paranormal groups in other parts of the country that they respect and will work with yep. to, to help alleviate some of that. Uh, it's, it, you see that this TAPS approach is kind of, uh, you know, it's going globally. This is the, the way that people are looking at it now. And it's, it's almost like uh, as if there's fingers of TAPS all, you know, all over the country, all over the world. Yeah, yeah. We have um, what we call TAPS family members. And... Bas I mean, we have a criteria for them. <clears throat> um, basically, they have to be an established group for at least a year. They have to show us that they've, they have a caseload under their belt, that they've investigated enough um, that they can go in, at least have most of the members have experience underneath them, because if they don't, then, I mean, they're calling us more so for help rather than being able to handle cases on their own. And we have phenomenal groups out there, um, just from California all the way to, you know, Massachusetts. I mean, we have awesome people that run these groups, and it's great to have that network because it is easier when we get an email from California to say, well, you know, we can't go out there, but we have several groups in California that can help you depending on where you live. So it's nice to be able to have all those people that can help us out, too.
And, of course, while we're talking to Kristen from TAPS and the, and the Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Hunters, if you have any questions for her, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And one thing uh, that people might not realize watching the television program is that the actual TAPS group themselves are a lot more than just the people that you see on television each week. I mean, you have an, you know, an, an, an I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but... Angeologist. Angeologist, <laughs> and you have yep. a demonologist. We, we had Keith on our first show. Yep. And, and you have people that specialize in all these different areas and technical areas and things that you might not always see on television. And to be able to bring that kind of expertise in each area in must just make you know a huge amount of knowledge available at your fingertips. Oh, it definitely does. It really does. I mean, we have everybody from vet techs, you know, up to Jay and Grant who are plumbers. Um, Paul is a scientist. Donna is an environmental engineer, and we just have everything. And compiling that all together when we're trying to debunk something is just awesome. It's almost like a, a blueprint of, of a you know, a scientific society more than just a paranormal investigation group. I mean, it's it's almost every aspect of, of science that you need to incorporate into this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's touch a little bit about on your own experiences uh, a little bit, at least uh, as much as you want to talk about them. How you got involved with the paranormal? Um, I was about fifteen. Um. I had, my stepmother was actually in the hospital having my brother, and my dad dropped me off at the house. You know, he said, hang out here for a little while, I'll be back. And I just, you know, and I had overheard them talking about this girl named Zoe. I had no idea, you know, who she was. I thought maybe, you know, it was a cousin I didn't know, whatever, and it ended up that it was a spirit that was in the house. She was very playful. She was like 10 years old or whatever, and um, she was actually born in the house, and she just was running up and down the stairs, and I, honest to God, I wish I had on a diaper because I almost peed my pants. I mean, at 15, <laughs> you're, like, going through all this, like, hormonal changes anyway, and then, you know, now you're seeing little girls running up and down the hallway. I didn't want to tell anybody. I thought it was crazy, but I ended up telling my dad, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, Zoe's in the house, and my dad is the biggest skeptic ever, so that's what really got me into it, and I kind of, after the fear, I mean, it really took me probably a good year to, like, sleep with the lights off, um, but after that, I got... I started reading and just kind of looking into it and not too, too much. I mean, at 15, I would much rather, you know, drink behind the high school with my friends, but <laughs> it was, um, it was. Well, there's, it, still, time for, there's still time for that, too. I know. Yeah, now I might get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But, uh, yeah, that's really what got me into it. And then um, probably about seven years ago, I think it's been just about seven years, um, I had had. I lost a family member, actually, which was really devastating for me. Um, and, of course, I decided, oh, let me use the Ouija board and see what happens. And that was, like, the biggest mistake of my life. It was the gateway to all kinds of problems. Yeah, it, it really snowballed. I mean, it, it started to, um, it started off really slow, like, just typical intelligent haunt kind of things. You know, the windows would open and the channels would change and, you know, the heat would get shut off and just little things like that. And then my son, who was... He was between two and three at the time, and he said, um, you know, Jenny wants to play. So, you know, you think, oh, she's just got an imaginary friend or whatever. And um, he just kept going on and on about Jenny, and, and Michael keeps her here, and he didn't know what to do about that. And then it started with him screaming, and then people wouldn't come in my house. My TV would shut off while they were watching it, and then you would start to hear the screams and the banging on the walls. And Wow. Yeah, it was really bad. I mean, I didn't really know... 
you know, who do you tell? You know, what do you say to people? You know, I really didn't know what to say. So I contacted a few groups, and I basically got blown off about four times. And my roommate <clears throat> completely thought I needed to be admitted into a psych hospital because he just was never home when anything happened. Or if he was, he just would blow it off to, you know, whatever, the wind or whatnot. And then uh, we were actually sitting on the couch watching TV, and you just heard this loud I, it almost sounded like a devilish moan. And he looked at me, and he was like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> so I ended up finally emailing Jason. I think it was like 10 or 11 at night, and he had called me like 20 minutes later. And I just broke down. I said, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. you got to help me. And they were up there that weekend. So, I mean, they were tremendous. They came right up, and uh, Brian was in the group at the time as well, and um, Keith was there, and... It, they had to actually come up twice to do another blessing because it didn't, for some reason it didn't take in my hallway and it just, this thing was, oh, you know, if, if you didn't live it, you would never believe in me. If somebody ever told me this story, I'd be like, yeah, right, whatever, buddy. But it really was, it was pretty horrible. Well, exactly. I mean, unfortunately, that's the way that it goes for a lot of people. If, if you don't see it with your own eyes, you're not going to believe it. And it's something you don't want to have to see with your own eyes. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> that wasn't a fun time. It lasted a good year and a half. You know, that's a long time. Did you end up finding out any background information on, on who this Michael character was or who this Jenny was? Yeah, we did, actually. Um, we, I did some research. Uh, Jason had told me, you know, try to find out what you can um, about the land. So I ended up calling uh, my landlord at the time, and I said, is there anything that you can tell me, you know, about this house? Was it, had it been moved or whatnot? And what had happened was there was a cemetery that was across the street. Well, that cemetery originally was where my house was. They moved, they dug up the cemetery, moved it across the street, and moved my house from like a mile down the road, and then for some reason decided to put it on top of the, the old cemetery. Wow. And then build a funeral home at the back door. <laughs> so um, there was a lot of aggravation in that. Go ahead. Um, so this wasn't one of those cases where they moved the headstones and didn't move the bodies that we hear about all the time, was it? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know. We, um, I, I, I asked. I tried calling um, the people who run the cemetery, and they just, oh, we don't talk about that. So I said, oh, because well, Because that's I, what I'd they like probably to. did. That's why. Yeah, I know. I mean, these were headstones going back to the very early uh, 1900s, and some of them were in the 1800s. So it... Uh, we ended up going over there, and I did. I found a headstone that was actually just, it was like a really beautiful, humongous headstone. You could not see this, and the name on it was Jenny. So, you know, she, and he, my son could describe her. He, he said, Mom, you know, something's wrong with her ears, and she can't see very well. And I said, what do you mean something's wrong with her ears? And she said, well, she can't hear. She tries to talk to me with her hands, but I don't know what, you know, I don't know what that is. I mean, obviously this was in, like, baby talk, so it was kind of hard to get that all out. But, yeah. Um, so, and Michael apparently, when when I had done the Ouija board, I asked if anybody could give, you know, if you could give me a name or whatnot, and it had said Mike. And the, I had done it probably three or four times. The last time I did it, you know, I said, what do you want? And then it just said die. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know what? <laughs> time for me to take my hands off this. <laughs> so, and that's who we assumed it was. What happens a lot with Inhumans is that they mask themselves as children, mm -hmm. and they try to gain your trust because, I mean, who doesn't trust a little kid. You know, what, they, what could they possibly do? So, well, they, was he trying to gain your trust or trying to gain your son's trust? Well, I think what he was doing is trying to gain my trust through my son. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, he would go through, you know, oh, I'm going to go play with Mike and Jenny. You know, now I look back at it like I, it, it just amazes me that he 
had no problem playing with them. And he'd say, Mom, he's right behind you. Can't you see him? And I'm like, no. You know, and you blow it off at first until, you know, things start happening. And then um, he talks about her every once in a while, you know, to this day. He remembers certain things about her, um, which is kind of cool because she was almost trapped. I guess whatever else I had let in, it was holding. I had a ridiculous amount of spirits in that house. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had neighbors would knock on my door. Do you have things that move in your house? I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> and and so. it just sounds to me like one of those typical, well, not typical, but one of these stories that you hear about where there is some sort of inhuman that's that's exerting its power over whatever spirits are present, you know, some sort of almost demonic force. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Um, I had had a woman, I'm not real big on the, the psychics because I, I just, if you can't validate anything in my life that there was no way that you could possibly know that, then I personally think you're full of it. But this woman, I, I had gone and, I mean, I did everything from buying crystals and, like, putting sweet grass up in my walls. I mean, I, I did everything I could. I mean, I didn't really know what else to do. So a, a guy at, at the store I had bought all this stuff from said, you know, you really should call this woman. She can probably help you. And uh, I had never met her. Never. She was from New Hampshire. So there was no way, I mean, she could have known anything about me. And she did. She, she validated a whole heck of a lot of stuff for me. And then she had said, you know, you use the Ouija board, which was really stupid. So she had said, you need to get some help because there's a lot of spirits in there that, number one, now are trapped thanks to you. And um, she said, but I see, you know, she had mentioned my grandmother, which is, is the family member I had that passed. Mm-hmm. You know, and she said she's always there and, you know. Which, I mean, it was a little bit of a relief, but, you know, when my bed's shaking and things are growling and, you know, you're getting woken up in the middle of the night, it's really not doing me too much good right now, you know. So I ended up, when I told Taps all that stuff, they kind of looked at me like, well, you know, she's a psychic and, you know, we really don't go for that. But she ended up telling me a whole lot about the spirits that were there. And I had later validated that when I went over to the cemetery, which is the names that were there. I mean, I... Mean, I there's always that possibility of when you bring in a psychic, you can use that information as just part of the recipe to figure out what's going on. I mean, you don't have to go exclusively by it, but it, it helps to have that little bit of extra information. Yep. I didn't actually even bring her into my house. I just called her. You know, so she had never stepped foot into my house. Um, she had actually described it to a T, which was, you know, really kind of freaky for me because I felt like she was, like, there. You know, it was weird, but... She um she was pretty good, and, you know, I still every once in a while talk to her. Um, I get a reading every once in a while just because I'm curious. <laughs> but um, Was there a chance that some of these other spirits that were present, uh, because they were being oppressed by the inhuman force, maybe they were also harassing you as well, like trying to get back at you for, for bringing this thing to the <clears throat> forefront? You know, I don't know. I, 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 feel, I felt so bad, and I used to apologize. I mean, if anyone ever saw me walking around my house, they really would think that, you know, I was a little out there. But, I mean, I used to apologize all the time. You know, I'm sorry. I can't. I, I don't know how to get rid of this. And, you know, if you, if you help me, I can help you. But I don't know if they had limited. I, I don't know what was wrong. I don't know if it was them coming back at me. But as soon as we did the blessing, it was almost just like this huge relief. And I don't know if it was just a huge relief because... You know, I knew I had hoped that nothing was going to happen after that, or that they felt relieved because they could finally move on and move to where they wanted to go. I mean, they literally couldn't leave the apartment, supposedly. That's what I was told anyway. That it just seemed that all the activity seemed to center around me every time I was in the house, and then if my son was in, it was like double the activity, and it was nuts. <laughs> and and you've had since that time uh, with the second blessing, you've had no reoccurrences. 
I am actually not in that house anymore. Once we did the second blessing, um, I just, I, it had just been too much, and I just, I needed to leave after that. Um, so I actually moved, I think, like two months after that. And then Taps had to come back again to my newer house. <laughs> with another occurrence or just as yeah. a safety precaution? No, with another occurrence, actually. I, I'm like a magnet. Every apartment that I have lived in, I've had some kind of activity. And I've had, at this point, I've had three inhumans, which is even more rare because, I mean, inhumans themselves, I mean, you don't normally get those. People get, you know, intelligent or residual. You never, I mean, very, in, just we don't get inhumans. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, of course we do, but not like we get an intelligent that kind of frequency. Yeah, and I mean, I just get them all the time. I don't know what my problem is, but they like me. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of like a fisherman complaining that every time he goes out, he finds the fish. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, in your line of work, you kind I of know. want them to come out. So. I, I do, but just not at my own house. <laughs> I <laughs> want to be able to come home. <laughs> we need that safe haven to, to get away from it all. Yeah, yep. Poor Keith. I mean, the, the man has, I, he is like my traveling demonologist. He has blessed every house I've lived in. And just the last time, actually, the house I'm in now, which I'm moving out of tomorrow, he uh, he had to come bless this house as well. So, hmm. and of yeah. course, of course, uh, for everybody here in the New Bedford area, Keith Johnson will be teaching another ghost hunting course at the South Coast Learning Group next Friday night. We'll have uh, information this week up on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. Just throwing that little plug for Keith to help him out, you know. <laughs> yeah, Keith is awesome. He really is. And if, if if anybody you know listening gets to gets a chance to go to one of his classes, I mean, he is just he's phenomenal. And he takes the time to listen to your problems. It's not just one of those you know you start talking and you can tell when someone tunes out. I mean, he really is just he's just a phenomenal guy. I love him to death. His wife is wonderful too. I mean, they really have every time that you know with. Taps has had a case, or I do a lot of investigating with New England Paranormal, and you know, any time that we've asked, you know, for them to be there, they're both there, no questions asked. You know, they're really good people. And speaking of classes, uh, you you uh, give your own lectures at the Boston Center for Adult Education. Uh, what's involved with that? What are some of the topics that you cover in those lectures? Um, well, that actually is is New England Paranormal's lecture. You know, Steve from the mm-hmm. show. Um, he originally had set up those lectures, and his travel schedule just got so crazy with the show. Um, Mike Dion, which is the director of New England Paranormal, he started doing them, and then Mike had asked me if I would help out because it's just it's hard for him to do an entire three-hour lecture alone. So I started actually doing it, and um, basically what we do is we just give you simple tips for people who really want to know um, how to investigate, and it's literally like ghost hunting 101. Um, it's just, you know, the basic stuff that no one really ever taught us. We just kind of had to fall into. Um, we talk about our experiences, and, you know, some of the people in the class will, you know, kind of pipe in. And it's it, it's been kind of weird. Every other class that we've done has been totally awesome, you know, jumped up and talked and asked all kinds of questions. And the other, the, the every other ones were just kind of sitting there staring at us, and I didn't know. <laughs> I went, oh, I guess I can't joke with this class, so... But um, they're really fun classes. I mean, we just it, we have pictures and we have video evidence and uh, we have a lot of EVPs that we let, let people listen to. And, um, you know, we start from uh, what to wear and all the way down to what to do if you get an inhuman. And then Keith, Keith also comes to those classes as well. So it works out. We show them all the equipment that we use and talk a little bit about ghost hunters. It's fun. And uh, is is there a website where people can go to to find out when the next one's coming up and to sign up? Um, they can. I believe it's www.bcae.org. 
but I may be wrong. Um, you can go to NewEnglandParanormal.com, and they have a class schedule up there. Okay, we, we'll also get it up on our website as well okay. to help promote it. We're, just to give you a heads up, we're coming up on a news break in a few moments. Okay. But uh, we have one call here right now. We can squeeze it in real quick, if you don't mind, before the news. Sure, no problem. All right, button sticks. Hold on one second. Okay. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Kristen. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? All right. So I want to know if this is for real. If um, I want to know about the time uh, Kristen was um, at her home. And uh, there was a voice screaming outside while somebody was doing a blessing. There was a voice screaming outside? Yes. Wasn't, uh, didn't you have a blessing done at one time and uh, you heard a voice screaming outside? I heard a voice screaming outside. Yes. No. When the blessing was done, um, there was an actual scream as the last door was being blessed. And you actually heard that? Yes. Oh, I think I heard it, too. Hi, Keith. Hi, how you doing, Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking it was you, and I went, oh, I don't want to say hi, Keith, and the poor guy. You, you had me worried, Keith, for a moment there. Yeah. Yeah, me, too. I'm thinking, oh, my God. I was like, was somebody there. was outside of her house while it was going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Very quickly, I have the scream right here. <laughs> here it goes. I didn't hear it. Could you hear that? We can hear it very faintly. Yeah, yeah. I can barely hear it, Keith. Yeah. And is that something that uh, you've had happen before when you do blessings, Keith? Yes, actually it has happened once before where you actually do hear a scream coming out of the air. And, and do you assume it's a scream of a released soul or more of a... a this is one in human? torment, yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think that was definitely one in torment. All right, well... Uh, I'll quickly play that for you once more. Okay. On this day, I don't know yeah, if you, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do remember that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right, Keith, we're, we're coming up on a news break here, so uh, we're going to be off until about uh, 11.06 or so. Hopefully you can come back with us on the other side, too, and we'll talk a little bit about your class coming up. Okay, we'll do that. All right, folks, stick around here. We have Keith Johnson and we have Kristen Garland. Uh, they work for the Atlantic Paranormal Society, and they want to talk to you in the next hour, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We'll be right back after the news here on Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa, and Evan Russo.
Welcome back, hour number two of Spooky South Coast, and it is going to be a spooky one, we promise, because we have a very special guest, Kristen Gartland of the Atlantic Paranormal Society, better known as TAPS, from the Sci-Fi Channel program Ghost Hunters, is with us on the line. Kristen, you still there? I am. All right. I, I think we lost Keith, but hopefully he can call back in, and we'll talk a little bit about his class coming up this Friday. Awesome. But uh, right now we'd like to open up the phone lines to all the listeners, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We can talk about some of the paranormal stuff right here in our own backyard. And, of course, TAPS investigated the New Bedford Armory uh, for one of their episodes. Yep. And uh, that is some place that there's a long-standing rumor that it was haunted, but I think uh, Taps might have been the first group to actually get in there and actually check it out and investigate it scientifically. Is that is, am I correct in that? Um, I think so. Yeah. Okay. And you were you part of that investigation? Um, I wasn't actually. Okay. Because uh, the 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 only one that just always sticks out in my mind when I think about episodes they were on was the one with the little boy up near. I think it was up near Springfield. Springfield, yeah. And and, and it seemed like such a similar case to what you had gone through. Um, it was initially, th- you know, speaking to her on the phone and knowing that um, how nervous she was and, and a lot of the things you know she couldn't explain and she was such she's such a a wonderful person and a you know, a wonderful mother, um, and I just, the second I heard that, you know, I just, I had to go, you know, I, I just, I hate to not be able to get involved in cases like that, you know, only because I think, you know, it happened to me, and I am a mom, and I know what it's like, so, I, you know, I kind of jumped on that as quick as I could, um, but yeah, she was awesome, and uh, I felt really bad for her not really knowing what was going on, and I, I think she felt so much better that we could actually tell her that it wasn't we didn't find anything paranormal. You know, we did find some things in the basement um, that were making her nauseous. Um, and her son, you know, just being a restless sleeper. So she kind of got to see him sleeping where normally she's in bed. So and that's, that must that be something dope. that you encounter a lot is uh, uh, sleep deprivation, sleep uh, disorders, uh, mistakenly, you know, being mistaken for some sort of paranormal occurrence. Yeah, yeah, we do get that a lot. There's a lot of um, sleep paralysis, actually, that... You know, I I can't real I don't I'm not an expert on it by any means. So I, I know that the basics of it are there's a part of your brain that's awake. It's almost like sleepwalking. There's mm-hmm. a part of your brain that's awake, and then the rest of your body almost isn't, and it hasn't caught up yet. And that's why people say I heard these noises, and I just I, I felt like I was being held down. <clears throat> I felt like there was something you know pushing on my chest, or um, I couldn't move, I couldn't scream, and that's just because the rest of your body isn't awake yet. So we do get some. You know, people who get really, really scared, like, oh, God, it was holding me down. And, um, you know, usually sometimes it's sleep paralysis, which is hard to try to tell somebody. We're going to do a show, I think, coming up in the future on sleep disorders because it is, it does go hand in hand with a lot of the subject matter we talk about here that, you know, people will wake up all night long and they think that something is waking them up when, in, in fact, it's their own body. Uh, as, a, as a sleep apnea sufferer myself, I've gone in for some tests, and when I've talked to the sleep technician, he said so many people, you know, just talking about the show and talking about the paranormal, he's not a believer in it at all, but he says so many people that go in there try to put a paranormal tag on it because they'd almost rather believe that than to believe they don't have control over their own body while they're sleeping. Yeah, yeah. And 
Now, that woman that we talked about, uh, you had been able to explain away a lot of the occurrences that had gone on in her home, but it must be comforting to some of these mothers to have you be along as part of the group because, you know, Jay and Grant, they're great with the people. I mean, they really seem to feel for the people when they go into their homes, but to have another mother there that can understand what they go through, what they think they might be going through. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. You know, it's good. I mean, and Jay and Grant, both are dads. You know, so they know what it's like mm-hmm. uh, to be scared for your kids as well. So, um, but they they still lack that maternal instinct, that maternal protection that a right. mother feels. Yep, yep. So, it, it, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, a lot of the times. I mean, you know, we get like I said, the emails that the, are just overwhelming sometimes. But you know, everyone sometimes leaves your, their number. You know, could you please call me? And it, it's almost you want to be able to call everybody. But the ones usually, of course, that strike me are the ones where I'm afraid for my child they can't sleep or, or they're screaming in their room and I don't know what's in there. And, you know, my first instinct is to pick that phone right up. So that's just, you know, you can't help it. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with compassion. I mean, it's... Well, yeah. <laughs> especially in, the, in that line of work, you have to have it because, you know, so many times you have to tell people, listen, we believe you and we believe that you're having these occurrences, but we just didn't capture anything. Yep. Now, how often, I've, I've wondered now from, from watching the show the last few seasons, how often is it that you go to a house, you know, for a weekend, for a Saturday night visit, and nothing happens? Do a lot of these places, do you go back for a second visit that we just don't see on camera? Um, it depends. Um, it depends on, I mean, you know, people, the first thing people say to us is, you know, you need to spend more time. But what they see is 42 minutes of, you know, probably 14 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really hard to try to help everybody and, and continuously go back to other houses. Um, if we get a case, you know, in the New England area, and we have done it once, um, regardless whether it was for the show or not, um, we just have such a huge caseload that we may say to, you know, New England Paranormal or, you know, we may tell them we can't come back right now, but we will come back in the future. Um, we have done people's homes several times. I mean, you know, Taps did mine alone four times. So. You know, we, we will come back if you really need us to. You know, if it, I mean, if we go in and we tell, you know, we, we have debunked everything, then, I mean, and we know that it's absolutely not paranormal, the things that you were describing, then, you know, we'll, we have to try to say, you know, we understand that you maybe want it to be a spirit. Mm-hmm. However, you know, it's, you know, your heating system or, or whatever. Um, but we do get a lot of those sometimes that, you know, you just, they don't, want to hear that it's something other than a spirit. <laughs> and what people don't understand either is you say that that's 42 minutes of 14 hours, but that's 14 hours out of your weekend or out of your life that you don't always have to spare. I mean, right. n- yep. Ghost Hunters isn't a full-time job for the people involved. No, yeah. It, it, they, I think they think that it's, you know, well, it's all on, that it's we on do. on television, so you must be rich because you're on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like us. We're on radio, so we must be rolling in it. <laughs> right, yeah, you know. We're scrounging um, together change to buy a cup of coffee. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and yeah, ju- just a- the caffeine supplements alone that, that Taps must have to purchase in order to stay up all night. Oh, please. I uh, have a lot of lattes. <laughs> well, well, walk us through a basic uh, a basic setup. What time do you usually arrive, and how long does it take to set up all the equipment? Um, it depends on what time we get there. If, if the people tell us, you know, the activity is between, you know, 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock at night, we'll get there about 7 you know, it takes us, you know, we walk through the house and um, we get a feel for where everything is and, you know, we kind of look for safe spots to put the equipment and, um, 
you know, then we will meet as a group outside. And, you know, usually Jay and Grant will say, you know, we want we want to put the cameras here, here, and here. Um, and then, you know, it, it's basically like a chain of command almost. You know, he'll tell Steve, Steve will tell us, and then we all just kind of work together to set stuff up. It usually doesn't take too, too long to set things up. Um, I mean, if we know where everything's going to go, then it's basically just we go set it up. Once it's set up, then it's running no matter what. Um, we turn it right on the second we set the cameras up, mm-hmm. and then um, we start investigating from that point. So the setup really doesn't take too long. It's usually the walkthrough of the house that takes a little while because you want you want them to tell you everything that happened in every room that exactly. they've had experiences. So you're, like, taking notes and... You know, running around trying to find out where we should put everything. So that usually takes the longest. And then it's basically just game on after that. We just, you know, do the EVPs and walk around and take pictures. And, you know, there's hours of silence where we just kind of sit there and hope that, you know, we can say to them, yeah, you have a spirit. You're lucky. (laughs) So there's no real, uh, in terms of the time frame, you base it more on what the the resident says is the time that things occur? It's not really, you know, going by the old wives' tale of, you know, 12 o'clock's the witch's hour, 3 o'clock's the demon's hour. We'll try and get into that block. Right. No, we don't. I mean, unless they tell us that the activity is, like, between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., then we're probably not going to start the investigation until 11 or 12, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, it, basically it depends on, you know, what they say they're having for experiences and, and what times they happen. One thing that's really interesting is, for the most part, at least the cases we see on television, You'll conduct an investigation while people are still in their home going about their lives. Yeah. We Sleeping actually prefer or... that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, only because, I mean, I know it sounds horrible, but this is, you know, the CYA kind of thing. We want them there because, heaven forbid, you know, something happens. Um, we don't want to be held responsible for any of that. You know, we have even unfilmed cases. We have basically like a small non-disclosure agreement that says, you know, if we unintentionally break a vase, you're not going to sue us, you know. We we don't we're not here to destroy your house, you know. So if we unintentionally maybe knock something over or whatever and small things like that, you know. So we want them there. And a lot of people say, "Oh, no, I don't want to be there." <laughs> well, Chris, don't you also want them as bait? Yes. <laughs> she was she was reluctant to admit that at first. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> but I mean, really, if 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 this activity is centering around the person, if the person isn't there, there yeah. won't be any activity. Yep. Yep. All right, looks like we have the, the phone line lighting up here. Okay. Maybe another call for you. Button stick here. It's n- it's nothing paranormal, we promise. <laughs> Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hi, it's Keith again. Hi, Keith. Thanks for joining us back again. We, we must have lost you there during the news break. That's all right. I'm back. All right. Well, welcome back. Mm-hmm. These things happen in the paranormal world. <laughs> you know, it's strange because I'm here during the week for a sports show, and and things don't happen nearly as much as they do while we're in here talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that does seem to happen. It is a reality. And and of course, uh, your class is coming up this Friday, right, at the uh, South Coast Learning Group. Actually, the next class is April seventh. April seventh. I'm I'm just off in my calendar. That's okay. It's April seventh and uh, Friday evening in New Bedford. And, uh, and what exactly does the course entail? It's basic ghost hunting. Anybody who's uh, never ghost hunted before, they can learn the basics of exactly what it's like, what we do from uh, the beginning you know, to the initial interview right up to the uh, investigation to the follow-up to the review of the evidence. It's just step-by-step the equipment we use, what's expected to happen, what's not expected to happen, um, how to prepare for an investigation, 
for example, one thing we always say is always eat beforehand because don't expect the client to feed you. So that's just common sense, you know. <laughs> and plus, you know, uh, we've, we've talked about it here in the past. A lot of times you'll be reviewing EVPs and you'll hear a, a strange growl in the background that sounds like it's something malevolent, but it's really just your stomach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. That's you didn't tell me that, Keith, did you? Kristen will tell you that's happened before. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it happened to me as well. Don't feel bad. Oh, all right. Uh, oh, we were convinced. We were we were ready to call up uh, Jason and Grant and say we just got the greatest EVP ever. Oh, but one night, it was a year ago, last March, with Kristen, and, and we really thought that there was some kind of demon inside of her because it was just. Well, there just might be still. I mean, I th- yeah, I wouldn't put it past me. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, so, when but you'll tell people in the course that this is the kind of thing that you have to look out for too. I mean, exactly. these false positives that hap- happen all the time. Right, you've got to be aware of all noises around you. Who's whispering? Who's not? Uh, what you know? The traffic's going off. The heater's going off. You, everything you have to uh, take into account. Do you find that these classes uh, and, and Kristen, the lectures you give as well, do you find that these turn into an opportunity for people to just come down and, and bring you their photos and say, look, i got a ghost in my picture? Well, we invite people to bring their evidence. Anybody who wants to bring evidence to share, sure. But, you know, sometimes we can uh, help analyze it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can just give our off-the-cuff opinion. You know, if, we, uh, if somebody takes a picture and they've got uh, 15 spots in it, you know, they say, does that mean I have 15 ghosts? You know, and uh, so we try to rule that out. They'll bring you in a picture of uh, of rain that they captured, and yeah. like, oh, yeah, look at all these orbs. There'll be moisture and spots and everything like that. But, I mean, that's just really just the uninformed public that need to learn, you know, how to detect these and how to debunk the, the you know, the false positives. True, and, and even if they are true globules or true orbs, that doesn't necessarily mean they have 15 ghosts. That means they have balls of energy in their uh, residence or their apartment or whatever. So we try, we try to, you know, analyze and bring a touch of reality to this. And uh, how can people sign up for the class if it's hopefully not filled yet? I don't think it's filled yet. Um, they can call the learning center itself. That's uh, area code 508-997-9792. And, of course, uh, you have links to it on the uh, yes. Atlantic Paranormal Society website and your website. Right. Which is? It's www.near, that's N-E-A-R, dot s5.com so that's near.s5.com all right and, hopefully, and we have a link to it on there hopefully uh, we'll all be joining you as well from the spooky south coast that would be great oh you're gonna go i have to go now that would be fantastic <laughs> we'll, all, we'll all eat and we'll do uh, we'll do the whole class and then chinese food afterwards Oh, that's always great. It, it just, I'm always wonder. Uh, I'm always afraid that it'll turn into like that scene from It, though, where you, uh, after we all talk about this stuff, and then we sit down for the Chinese food, and the, you know, the shrimp comes up and grabs our faces. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Hey, you never know. Right. <laughs> well, uh, Keith, we hate to do this to you because we did it to you once already, but we have to take another break. All right, that's fine. Uh, so you're you're more than welcome to stay with us. Uh, if not, we understand. We'll we'd love to hear from all the listeners out there that love to talk to Keith Johnson and Kristen Gartland of the Atlantic Paranormal Society. Okay, and if I go, I'll come back simply, like just like last time. Great, great. Uh, let me, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We'll take a quick break. We'll do some commercials. We'll come back with The Week and Weird on the other side here on Spooky South Coast. Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. There's a touch of madness around here. 
paranormal? Is that what they're calling your kind these days? The revolution will be broadcast. Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSM into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Welcome back here on Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa behind the controls, and Matt Moniz behind everything else here with the Spooky South Coast crew. We're going to do a quick little news segment for you. We, we do have uh, Kristen and Keith from TAPS on the line. They want to take your calls. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 for Wareham in the Cape. But uh, right now, we're going to do a little segment we call The Week in Weird. Wait for our fancy music. There we go. All right. Here's a good story for you old-timers out there. You know, sometimes uh, you wake up, your bones are creaking, you feel like uh, you're a little bit... Over the hill? Well, how would you feel if you were this turtle that passed away this week? In Calcutta, India last week, the world said goodbye to Adwaita, one of the world's oldest creatures. Adwaita was a giant Aldebra tortoise, believed to be about 250 years old. He was brought to India in, get this, 1767 by Lord Robert Clive of the East India Company, and he was moved to his final home, a local Calcutta zoo, back in 1875. And if the documentation proves correct, then he will surpass the current record holder, which is Harriet, a 176-year-old Galapagos tortoise who lives in Australia Zoo, a gift of Charles Darwin in the late 19th century. So that's why turtles are so slow, because they have no reason to be in a hurry. What do you got for us, Matt? Uh, 19-year-old Matt Souter was sitting in his living room in nothing but his boxer shorts when he heard a loud roar outside his Ford Missouri trailer. A tornado hit the Souter home, and the next thing Matt knew, he was waking up in a field a quarter mile from his home. After being knocked unconscious by a flying lamp, Souter was picked up by a tornado and carried off. According to the National Weather Service meteorologist Dave, Dave Guidi, who measured the distance using a global positioning satellite device, Souter traveled a total of 1,307 feet. The young man suffered a cut on his head requiring five staples, and his feet were bruised from having to run home on a gravel road. But other than that, Souter suffered no ill effects of his Dorothy Gale-like injury, like journey. NASA has unveiled plans for one of the largest rockets ever built, which will take manned missions to the far side of the moon sometime before 2020. The new rocket will ferry a mothership and a lunar module into orbit around the Earth, where it will meet up with a regular space shuttle that will carry the crew. The larger vessel will then orbit the moon as the crew takes the lunar module to the moon's surface to collect samples and gather information about the weather, about whether or not the lunar base is possible. As part of of President George Bush's return to the moon program, it will be culminated. It will be the culmination of more than a decade of planning, which will begin in 2008, with the first in a series of lunar probes designed to map the surface of the moon. A 3D relief map of the moon will be constructed in order to best plan the missions, which should take place between 2015 and 2018. NASA would then send two crews to the moon each year for up to five years. 
all without radio contact with Earth. If the plan is successful, it should form the basic outline for a future mission to Mars. All right. The Dark Side of the Moon. It's becoming a, a possibility. It's not just a great album anymore. One of my favorites. <laughs> Matt, you have uh, something for us on a mysterious creature. Yes, a mysterious animal was spotted in North Carolina, believed to be a chupacabra. May actually be nothing more than a rare abnormal fox. According to experts in a report published in National Geographic, the magazine describes it as a slender creature with a, a kangaroo-shaped head, big upright ears, and a long rat-like tail. So it looks kind of like me. A little. All right. <laughs> From a distance, the animal looks hairless, but closer inspection reveals that its coat is slick, a slick grayish-brown. An employee of a nearby electronics company snapped a picture of the creature, which can be seen on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. Perry Sumner, a biologist with the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, said it's likely a red fox with a rare genetic condition known as Samson, an abnormality in which the animal lacks a layer of fur called guard hair. Without this thick outer coat for protection, the normally nocturnal fox will be forced <clears throat> would be forced to hunt during the day when it's warm and sleep under heated buildings at night. In recent years, Sumner said, other Samson fox have been spotted in urban areas across the state. Wow, this, a Samson fox is one without that hair. You would think Samson fox would have extra hair. You have Samson foxes. I have two foxes that are my personal pets that live underneath my house, yeah. Really? I've had them for about uh, five years. Oh, what are their names? Uh, believe it or not, Sweetie and Crash. Ah. It's a, and now, if I had a fox, I would name it Red Fox. Yeah. And I would just hope that it would go around with the same type of attitude that Red Fox had. A Sanford fox? Sanford fox? Oh, Sanford instead yeah. of Samson. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure he would dip my face in flour and make gorilla cookies. Shut up, dummy. All right, so that is the Week and Weird. Remember, you can go online, www.spookysouthcoast.com, visit our all-new message board, sign up for it, and there's a room in there where you can leave us your Week and Weird suggestions. And we're back with Kristen from TAPS, who is on the special VIP line with us. And the other phone lines are lighting up. One of them is Keith, and I think one of them is another caller. So uh, I'm not too proficient on these phones, Matt. So let's see what we can do. Let's try the second line, because that might be the caller, and we'll just have Keith wait one moment. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, what's up? It's Steve from Nepper again. What's going hey, on? Hey, Steve. How you doing? How you been, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. How's All right. Going? And you're you're on uh, with uh, with Kristen from Taps as well. So, uh, this is one of our local groups around here. Is uh, uh, they've started? Uh, how long ago did you start, Steve? About two and a half years. We've been doing this for about two and a half years now. So uh, they've they pretty much claimed a strangle, stranglehold on this area. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Um, I just have a question for Kristen, actually. Sure. Um, I wanted to know if she was uh, a part of the, the filming for the third season for uh, Ghost Hunters. Um, we actually haven't signed for a third season. Um, what we did was the back nine episodes for season two. So yeah, yeah. what's that all about anyway? I mean, is, is it was there a decision to break up the season, or was um, this, they just you know ordered what? more I episodes? I don't know. I, I really don't know why they do that. I you know I I, I don't know. <laughs> I wish they had an. Well, I was wondering if really she was don't. present when they did the um, when they did the investigation at the Palladium in Worcester, Massachusetts. No. Oh, you weren't there. No. I think. Because um, besides Wait. what I do with Nepra, actually, I work at the Palladium. 
Oh, you do? Yeah, I work security and I work production there. And um, okay. Steve Gonzalez, you know, obviously yeah. you know Steve. No, I have no um, idea who he is. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> he's been there a bunch of times, and I've actually I've had many conversations with him there because I work there and I've seen him a bunch of times. Yeah. And he told me that they filmed an episode there. Are you are you aware of that? No. But you, you like how they didn't call you? <laughs> You're telling, yeah, I have no idea. You're telling me stuff I have no idea about. Good for you. Oh, really? I was wondering if you had any like information like about that. Well, because... we don't want to spoil oh, the upcoming season. Oh, if I season. did, though, I couldn't well, tell I, I, you. I had, I had spoken to him after, after, like before and after they had gone there. And he told me that this this was uh, this was like a really cool place to go. He said it's going to look really cool. I'm kind of looking forward. I don't know when it's going to be on TV, but he said it's going to be on TV and everything. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Well, I mean, we can... We can talk about it off here. We don't want to give away, you know, what's going to happen on Ghost Hunters. I mean, yeah, he didn't tell me anything. All he told me was that. <laughs> oh, nice try trying to ask the chick, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to weasel information out of you. <sighs> well, Steve, you know, knowing that you work at the Palladium, you're going to help us out and get Rob Zombie for the show, right? Well, Rob Zombie's sold out, but that's been sold out for a while. No, no, we're trying to get him as a guest. You, you, oh. got, you got to pass our card to his uh, publicist. Well, I'm sure I'll bump into him. I don't know if I'll be able to, to try to promote this or anything. We've, we've been trying for the last couple of weeks. I've been trying to get in touch with him so we could have him on. Because, you know, grew up in this area, grew up, uh, what, in Andover, a huge fan of Creature Double Feature, as we all were. Really? Well, yeah, yeah like during the Rock and Shot Festival that we had at the Palladium, I actually met Steve because he was, uh, we had a bunch of guests from all types of uh, different horror movies and everything, and Steve was one of the guests that we had there. And obviously, being a ghost hunter and everything, I, I introduced myself because I, I was actually working security for Steve. So I introduced myself, and I'm like, "This is kind of ironic, but I, I, I know I do this. You know, I kind of do the same thing you do, and it, it's kind of like a big thrill for me to actually meet this guy." And I talked to him, and he ended up coming to the show later on, and um, he was hanging out and everything. So I had a, I had a pretty long conversation with him. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to show up at Rob Zombie too. So I'm sure I'll see him then too. Yeah. But I. Uh, he had told me that that um, the Palladium. They filmed an episode of the Palladium, and, and he said it was really like it's going to look really cool on TV. Like they got a lot of cool shots and everything. So I'm pretty excited about that because I worked there and for the whole ghost hunting thing. Like it's it's going to be amazing. I can't wait for it to come on. I was just wondering if Kristen was there or not. I wasn't. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I, I worked there, and I, I can tell you what. Like that place is is really creepy. I, I've seen a lot of things there. And like considering that I work there, I can't really go and just investigate there. But I mean, just from just from working there and and being around the building, I've experienced and seen a lot of crazy things going on there. So I'm glad Taps actually got a chance to go down there. You guys got you, you know the crew got to go down there and actually get a chance to go, you know go go see it and uh, actually get a chance to see what's going on down there. Because I've I've always thought there's something going on. And they Steve told me he said we we have something. That's all he told me. He's like we got something. You'll see it on TV. That's all he told me. Yeah, we can't uh, we can't give anything out that hasn't been aired yet. Yeah, that's exactly what he told me. He's like, man, <laughs> yeah. I can't. Well, this is what we call in the radio business a segue, where we yeah. can say that the new season, well, the the back nine of season two of Ghost Hunters debuts on the Sci Fi Channel this Wednesday night at nine. Is that correct? Yeah, nine o'clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for that. I cannot wait, and I'm, I'm just. <laughs> I, I, I we watch the show religiously. Like we really look up to you guys, and we just want to, you know, we kind of like thank you for for all the work you guys do. Like we really, Aww. really, like we look up to you guys, and like we're, we're hoping that one day we can be like as as professional. Well, we are we are somewhat professional, but we're looking forward to be even more professional as as you guys are. So yeah, you guys well, are kind of like they're a good they're a good group to model yourselves after for sure. 
exactly like we really look up to them and, and, and like we watch we watch you guys we got the DVD and everything we watch it all the time so oh that's awesome thanks buddy uh, we really look up to you guys and it's, it's really cool like and um, when I found out you guys were coming I, ever since I started working at the Palladium I was always saying that that you guys got to get down there and when I found out my boss was really good friends with Steve I was like say something to Steve let him know you know let him go <laughs> film down there because I'm sure there's something going on, and I'm pretty I'm pretty excited that you guys found your way down there, and you actually have a good time to check it out. I'm sure it's going to be a really good episode. I'm pretty looking pretty much. They're all good episodes. All right, see, <laughs> so well, we thank you for for calling in. We got another caller on the line here. All right, all right. Well, thanks for the nice care, to meet you. I'll talk to you again next week or the week after. All right, take care. Bye. All right. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? This is Keith again. Oh, okay, Keith. We're, How are you doing? It, it was weird. We had all three lines lit up, and I was like, number one is Keith. You know, <laughs> if, as long as we don't lose that light, we'll know that we didn't lose him. Right. But uh, then we did, so who knows? Uh, now the computer will start firing off on its own. And oh, anything could happen. That, that's what ends up happening. So yeah, that, That's the fun of it. And, and of course, uh, if you heard the previous call, he was trying to weasel some information out of Kristen <laughs> on the new season. Oh, yeah. What happened at the Palladium? <laughs> yeah. And, and were, you, were, were you there for the Palladium? No, I wasn't there, so... Okay, so... So I can't say anyway, so... You, you couldn't say anyway, even if you were, but... Right. You, you can talk about some of the places that you have traveled to for this season. You can say, you know, some of the, the places you are visiting, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where are some of the places that uh, you explored for the back nine? Well, um, Kristen, where have you been for this uh, for this episode, these episodes? Um, Kentucky, Indiana, New York. Uh, I know you are going to ask that, too, and I completely blank on where I've gone. Uh, <laughs> Talk about Kentucky. That was uh, my favorite place to go, actually. That, I, I can't say my favorite, but that was one of the best places that I've been. Um, I re- it was uh, Waverly Hills in mm-hmm. Kentucky. And um, you can look that actually up on the, Yeah, you can look that actually. You can look that up on the Internet. Um, there's some history there uh, to look at. And there's like, some great pictures on there that you can look at, but Nothing is like actually being there. I can't tell you what happened, but <laughs> it, it's gonna that, that'll actually be on Wednesday. Because a lot of people have to remember that a lot happened before the TV show too. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I guess as, as far as in, investigating, I mean, there's been you know so many cases. I can't really pick one that's been you know the best. You know, they've all been really good. You know, really everybody that we've come across has been. They've been pretty nice to us. Oh, looks like we have another call here, and, and Keith, we're going to warn you ahead of time. We might lose you. All right. Well, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. To... Just send us the phone bill. We'll take care of it. I'll try to hang on. <laughs> okay, so let's... Yeah, we'll try and conference everybody together here. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? All right. Keith, you're still there. Yes, I'm here. And Kristen's still there. I am. All I'm right. Here. Yeah. Conquering <laughs> the paranormal on a weekly basis. Yeah. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. You have yeah. a question for TAPS? Or? Yeah, well, actually, I'm calling a story for you. Okay. Yeah, I believe I've got a, a presence in my house. And, okay. uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, one evening, I, I was watching the late news around 1130, and uh, the, the only uh, light I had on was my television screen. And I, I was sitting there in, in the living room, and I looked in the parlor, and I saw a... Um, I saw the, the 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 figure, a headless figure, of only a, a, a dress go by the room, uh, walk through the room, and then I saw it. I looked twice, and I, I kind of ignored it. And then uh, um, a few seconds later, I looked again, 
and it came back the other way. Now, was this a glancing look, or was this a you turned and faced it and well, watched it? I would say originally I had a glancing look at it. And then when it came back the second time, I had a better look at it. And then I said... That it didn't it, have a head? You know, and, and then I said, well, I better go to bed. <laughs> I've seen enough. Well, I'm surprised you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I guess what, what, uh, what was interesting was um, sometime later, I had my neighbor over the house who's in her um, probably late 60s, or early 70s, and she basically has lived in the neighborhood for years and years and years. And she was talking about the history of the house, and uh, she was telling me, and I haven't spoken to her about this, uh, that a woman lived in this house with a, that always wore long, uh, long outfit, long skirts and dresses, and flowing dresses. And she said, um, you know, she, she was a, a very nice lady, a calm lady, and, um, uh, you know, she spoke to me about that, and I thought, uh, you know, I didn't know if it w was a coincidence, uh, this possibly, you know, uh, this could be her, and then uh, uh, sometime later, uh, a, a close friend of mine who knows uh, a lot more about this th than I do, he explained to me, he says, you know, usually when you see something like that, it's someone that's going in through a doorway. And he asked me where, where I saw this, and I showed him. And, and he said, he says, boy, you know, this house um, used to be, it's a two-family, and it used to be a single-family, and I sheetrocked over a door in that exact area that she walked through. Now, is this what you, uh, what Taps would call a residual haunting, maybe? Excuse me? Uh, a residual, like a playback. It could be, but if it only happened once, um, it may not be, because... I mean, residuals usually happen at a specific date and, and a specific time. You know, if something tragic had happened to someone, you know, March 25th at 11.43 p.m., that's going to happen every March 25th at 11.43 p.m. And, and all I have seen this is once. Yeah. And, and that's the only time I've seen this. And, uh, and if, if, if I can go further with you, I can tell you that, um, you know, in the house, uh, I remodeled this house. And I was uh, I was close with my father, and things have happened over the times where I know his presence has been here. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick example of it. Uh, I, I w was sitting, I think it was uh, uh, four or five o'clock, having a meal with my family, uh, my wife and two sons, and uh, and uh, we're sitting down and. I used to go uh, see shows with my dad, and he was a big, uh, a big Santana fan. And as we were sitting down, we had the television on, and the television clicked seven channels. Click, 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 click. Right? It started on a Santana song. It went through two two Santana songs on MV uh, on uh, M MTV or one of those stations. And immediately after, they said, "And that's it for Santana." The station clicked right back to the original station I had on, hmm, and and, and um, I would say that uh, throughout my years in this house, I mean it's not uncommon a music box would start one that hasn't played in in years. It, it would start up and play the whole thing. Uh, my uh, my uh, sons had toys. A toy would start up and start talking, and um, but. I've had numerous uh, examples of times 
where I, I've heard, uh, you know, signs of what I'm sure would be the presence, you know, of my dad in this house. It sounds to me like you're a prime candidate for an investigation. Yeah, how soon do you want us there? <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you be open to an investigation? Uh, I'd be open to speak to you off the air. Okay. And uh, it, it all would depend on, uh, you know, of course, how involved the investigation is. You know, I must say, anything that has happened in this house, it's all been good. Mm-hmm. It's all good spirit. Yeah, you don't want to scare anything out if, it, if it's been helpful. You know, it, it, you know, it's true. That's exactly true. So, so you true. would want... I wouldn't want to come yeah, here and you'd have want a verification. That, that's been disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Well, sir, do you have email capabilities? Yes, I do. Okay, why don't you shoot me an email? I will. Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and okay. uh, we'll get in touch with TAPS, and, and we'll see if we can set something up. Okay, sir. All right, thank you very okay, much. Thank you very much. Thank you for your story. Thank okay. you. Okay. See you now. Take care. Bye. And see, that's what we're looking for. We need more people to be willing to share their experiences and to to have taps and other groups come in and investigate, so we can figure out what all this is going on. Yeah. And and so uh, there there we go with a, a lo- you lost Keith. He lost Keith. You don't have to ha- <laughs> when the person hangs up. You don't have to hang up on them because they're going to hang up anyway. So that line will clear out, and then we won't lose Keith. Oh. That's all right. One of the things I've learned, because you know what? When I come in here and do the sports show, I cut everybody off. That's why they don't allow me to use the phones. Nice. All right. So, yeah, so if, if he calls them now, like we said earlier, you know, there'd be a little bit of a, a pre-interview process. Yeah, I mean, I would talk with him on the phone. and. Um, but how would you approach a case like his where he said that if there is something going on, he just wants to verify that this activity is happening he doesn't want to do anything about it he's happy to leave it alone the way it is that's fine i mean most of the time the only, we don't actually get rid of anything um the only time that will help somebody get rid of anything is if it's an inhuman haunting that's the only time that you know keith makes sure that it's gone um that that's it we, we don't you know you know we don't have the proton packs and stuff like that so oh, it, it's just you can't have your own unlicensed thermonuclear accelerator on your back. No. Now, but if it is a good spirit, is there a chance that by coming in and investigating you might scare it off? Or um, Sometimes they hide, you know, when we come because they know what we're doing. And, you know, they don't want to show us that they're there and they just want their house. To them, I mean, it's sometimes the people that, you know, you go and do an investigation, those, that person or that spirit, rather, has lived in that house. So, like he had said, he did some uh, reconstruction on his house. And what happens when you do that is it stirs up a lot of activity. I mean, picture, you know, being in your house and you're watching somebody tear apart what you put together. It's aggravating. You know, just thinking about it, I can't imagine, you know, someone taking my windows, putting different windows in, and just little things like that. I mean, to them, that's when a lot of activity picks up. So by him doing the house over, it may have picked up a lot of activity. I mean, we can validate that there is something there. I mean, that's what we do through EVPs, and we'll ask questions like, you know, is this his dad? I mean, obviously we'd get his father's name first and ask that, and if we get yes and no answers and things like that, then he can, there's his validity there. And, you know, Um, we jokingly referenced Beetlejuice beforehand, but, you know, the case in that movie is kind of like what a lot of these hauntings are like. It's, you know, people that were in the house originally and they don't like what people are doing to it now, or, you know, they're connected to the people that are in it now, and it's just, you know... Uh, kind of like a guiding hand, a guiding force. Yeah. Um, the Others is a good example of that, too, um, because a lot, sometimes they don't know they're dead. And to them, you know, opening the cabinet doors and, you know, running from what's in the house because they think that there's spirits in the house, you know, things like that. I mean, 
I can't actually say that that's what they're thinking, but um, The Others is a, is a great example of... It is, but we have to plug the Gina Davis movies because she's she's from Wareham. Yeah, she's so cool. She's we, smart, too, huh? You know, we have, yeah, Mensa member, and, and right, she's good with a bow, too. She used to babysit a friend of mine when we were kids. We used to chase her around with frogs and snakes and stuff, but that she, explains she's why a she member of Mensa, actually. That, that explains why she won't come back to Wareham anymore, because you guys scared her. Okay. All right. Well, if anybody else has any questions for Kristen while we can keep her on, how, how late can we keep you up tonight, Kristen? Um, I'm good so far. I'll let you know when I start crashing. All right. Well, we would like to take your calls, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Maybe there's something going on in your house. We have uh, Kristen from TAPS on the line, and we have demonologist Keith Johnson is with us. Right, Keith? Yes, I'm here. All right. This phone stuff's working out. <laughs> like I said, you're just gonna have to send us the phone bill here because it's it's, it's mostly our fault. So, uh, and we were talking uh, while we lost you for a little bit there about some of these good spirits that remain. And you only bless a house if it's a, a negative entity and inhuman. That's correct. Yeah, like, like the gentleman that just called, there'd be no need to do a cleansing in the house because he's comfortable with it, and you know it's not really disturbing him. He's not uncomfortable with it. You know. Some people are truly terrified, and that, that's why we try to step in and uh, do intervention. Does it have to be an inhuman in order for there to be an intervention, for there to be a clearance? Can there, could it be a human spirit that you're trying to clear out? It could be a, a variety of types of spirits. I mean, you know, the, the uh, classic, of course, is the inhuman spirit, but it, it could be anything. It could be the person themselves. Sometimes we find out that it's uh, not really a spirit entity at all. It's the person themselves that, for whatever reason, they're, calling, they're causing these manifestations to happen through their own psyche. And that's a that's tricky ground to get into to, to determine the difference, wouldn't it be? Yes, yeah, very, very difficult to determine sometimes. Because sometimes the only cure is to convince that person that, you know, it's surrounding them and that they're the ones causing it. Yes, yeah, and a lot of people don't want to accept that, but um, that's what we do. We try to educate as much as possible. Me, me, I'd be excited if I had that kind of power. I mean, well, our, our science advisor, Matt Moniz, earlier this morning was sending mind bullets out to people while he was having breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to be able to harness that kind of power. It would ma- it'd make radio a lot easier. We wouldn't have to worry about using these phones. <laughs> so, we're, By the way, that's a great picture of Kristen on the site there. You know, we, we, we sent her an email and we said, you know, we'd, we'd like a, a picture of you, one that isn't used on any of the other websites, mainly because we didn't want Grant emailing us and saying, hey, what are you doing stealing pictures off my site? <laughs> So, that was uh, actually from a uh, photo shoot that we had that uh, the girls from TAPS did. Um, I shouldn't say all of us at the same time, but we um, they wanted us to have just different pictures of us because we do have, you know, on the website, I seriously look like I just murdered my whole family. <laughs> so, you know, they wanted to do something that I didn't look so upset. <laughs> so let's go to a graveyard and take one there. Yeah, I know um, it's in a graveyard, and that's typical of Kristen. Everywhere she moves, yeah. there's always someone nearby. Yeah, there is. <laughs> it is actually in my new... One, one, uh, uh, twice. Twice well, people scr- on top of one, yeah. Her scrapbooks are filled up with, uh, like, you know, gravestone rubbings and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? That's what I do on Saturdays. <laughs> well, you need a hobby, I guess. <laughs> I know. Because I don't have enough to do, you know. Exactly. Well, and when they when they brought you out for this photo shoot, was it to, to promote the show or? Um, it was basically some, some shots for the magazine because um, at the, I had written an article for the magazine um, and we really, you know, the only pictures we have, you know, of us are, are of us goofing off. Um, and I had done some T-shirts. Um, it was for a friend's T-shirt company. So we did, you know, a couple of those, and he's got those. So anytime, you know, we have any kind of 
anything that comes out about one of us. They have the pictures there, so we don't have to constantly take different pictures. Well, of course, we haven't touched much on the, the TAPS Para magazine, but it is a publication that is you know, widely available on newsstands everywhere and through a subscription basis. Yep. And, and Matt Costa here has just uh, suggested a, a new business venture. How about a Girls of TAPS calendar? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, why not? We've done a... Do we have um, that many girls now? We can do it, uh, one every month? Or? Um, well, I, I think me, Lisa, and Donna and Paula would have to do, you know, would have to split it up among the 12 months. Well, what, what you could do is instead of featuring the investigators, you could feature the female spirits that you've caught on film. Nice. Oh, so we can just show black pages. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I just got to warn you, we're coming up on another news break here in a few minutes, and you're, you're welcome to stay with us. We'll keep going. Uh, or if you need to, to take off for the evening, we understand it is almost Sunday morning after all. Yeah, I'm good, actually. I took the day off of work. Tomorrow. All right. Well, we've, we've got plenty of coffee, so we're willing to hang out here and, and take some more calls from everybody. But right now, and this is a little awkward because we're talking to people from TAPS, but right now we have to plug another group's uh, event that's happening next week. And that is CAPERS, the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society. They're going to be holding their March meeting, Indigo Children. Are they the chosen children? Join CAPERS investigator Cheryl Sabin in an active discussion on her topic, Indigo Children. Listen as she looks into child psychics. Is it hysteria, or can these children predict events before they happen? This lecture is an interactive discussion featuring photos and stories of these prodigies. It will be at the Cape Cod Community College North Building, room N116, next Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. They hold a monthly open meeting each of the final Fridays of the month uh, at 7 o'clock at 4 C's. They talk about all different kinds of paranormal subjects, and they provide an opportunity to learn a little bit more about who they are and what they do. Uh, if you would like to check out more information, you can contact Derek Bartlett, president at uh, capers.com. Just uh, send him an email there, and he'll get you more information. And, of course, we'll have more on our website, spookysouthcoast.com. So thank you guys for, for sitting through that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, everybody really works together. I mean, it's, Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Derek's a great guy. He is, and, and he's he's of the same mindset of TAPS where it's like, I'm going to go in there and disprove it. I'm not going to go in there and prove it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to disprove it. And, and he takes the same scientific approach. Some of these groups that are popping up now, uh, like the, the gentleman that called and talked to you, Kristen, we had kind of accused him in the past of going at it half-heartedly because we said he was looking for results and not experiences. Right. And, and unfortunately, I lumped him into the category of people that are just going out. They are groups that are just thrill-seeking. There are groups that, you know, if they don't go out the first night and come back with a photo of an apparition, you know, they, they deem it a failure. Right. Yep. That's not the way it works at all. No, and that's unfortunate because that almost gives, you know, the rest of us a bad name, you know, for those of us who are actually in it to help people and not just, you know, to get a real quick scare for the night and be able to tell their friends, you know, oh, i got a rock thrown at me, you know. That's not what it's all about, you know. And, I mean, eventually with age and experience, you know, that'll change, I hope. Um, but I think the spirits are wising up, too. I think the spirits are starting to realize when they're dealing with hacks and when they're not, too. So. <laughs> yes, they, yeah. they, they usually can tell, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they're not going to just show themselves for anybody. Well, yeah, it's no, horse. it's not a, a horse circus. Tell they don't experience perform writer, on demand. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure in the demonic realm, Keith is a, a very popular guy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, every time I watch the movie Constantine, I just think of you. <laughs> Because I know they're just waiting for you. <laughs> well, what do you, oh, think, yeah. what do you think of that, Keith? Compared to Keanu Reeves, that might be a first. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true. Um, 
the more you're into this, the more well you are known in the spiritual realm as well. And um, sometimes you'll have things that seem to be prepared for you. They know you're coming. We talked with uh, one of your associates, John Zaffis, a oh, few yeah. weeks ago, and he said, you know, I said, I've always wanted to ask you this, John, you know, do the demons remember you? <laughs> and he said, not only do they remember me, but they have things in store for me. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, in fact, uh, John will attest to this. They'll know sometimes we're coming ahead of time, and you can actually see signs and uh, different things will happen, like little mishaps and everything like that. And you say, that's awful peculiar, you know, but then... Yeah, I've got an investigation coming up, so maybe they're aware of my coming, and they're giving me a little warning. So it's it's almost like they throw out a calling card for you. Yes. So well, I, I mean, I suppose there's you know, all, all press is good press. They say you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. That's true. <laughs> Except when it comes to that. Yes, right. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're going to come up on a news break here in a few minutes, and then we will come back for a final half an hour if we can keep Keith and Kristen awake long enough. Okay, we've done all-nighters before, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. true. You, you guys are used to spending 14 hours in the dark. Right, yeah, yeah. So hopefully uh, hopefully you have the lights on and, and the windows pulled down and the doors locked, as we like to say right now. <laughs> Because you never, you know, and and again, we throw it out there. We have an open invitation here. There's two other mics in the studio, so if anything would like to materialize, if anything would like to talk to us and make its presence known, feel free to do so. We fully welcome it, uh, Keith. We just might need you to come and protect us if it's okay. anything, <laughs> anything too bad. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back here right after the CBS News for the final half hour. We want to hear from you. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred, and of course at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. Be back in just a few. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. <laughs> presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa, and Evan Russo. Welcome back to the final half hour or 20 minutes or so of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa, and science advisor Matt Moniz along for the ride. And we are joined by Kristen and Keith from TAPS. You watch them every Wednesday on the Sci-Fi Channel's show, Ghost Hunters. And starting this Wednesday, you can see the back nine of season two, as they call it. Basically, it's nine all-new episodes for your viewing and chilling pleasure. And uh, we'll get Keith back on here. It's, we're, we're just gonna we're just gonna get Keith like his own seat in the studio next time, and just we'll we'll fly him up and and uh, we'll get him in here so that he doesn't have to keep calling us. <laughs> I was telling him right before uh, right before the phone rang, uh, and, and it was him. There was this cold that just came into the studio and suddenly enveloped me. And he, he said it was a premonition, and I told him I think it's just faulty electronics. <laughs> Unfortunately, that seems to be the the way it goes around here. So Matt Moniz was uh, interested in some of the uh, evidence that you had gathered in some of your previous cases. So take it away, Matt. Yeah, uh, one case in particular that I saw was the Eastern State. Uh, penitentiary case. Yeah. The video of the black figure that was uh, draped in black and hooded. Yeah. Now, are you aware that when the uh, penitentiary was originally built, that is how they used to transport prisoners from cell to cell, was in a complete black hooded outfit? Huh. 
no, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. <laughs> now I do, and I hope maybe people will stop saying that it looks like they're sneakers. <laughs> uh, it did look kind of like yeah, white-soled shoes, but it does, yeah. the history of the place, that is how they used to transport uh, the prisoners. The whole thing was being solitary, total devoid of contact from other people. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty interesting. Sounds it's, firsthand. Well, that's how you get the name penitentiary, for penitence. It is uh, to be put in isolation so you can find yourself and God. That was the original design of the uh, system that is currently used today. Now, is is that one of those cases that you do have a lot of people harassing about the evidence? Because I've, you know, yeah. that is the common, you know, the white sneakers. and yeah. Well, to oh, me, yeah. that lends a bit more credence because it, is historically accurate to the place. If you right. knew the history of it, that would make sense. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, um, too many people watch the program just trying to debunk what it is that you do find. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not not everyone is going to agree, of course. You know, if, um, you know, you've, you've always got uh, people who are going to say that couldn't possibly be so, and you're going to have people that do agree, and um, I think that's what makes it more interesting. Yeah. That you get both sides of it. You know. Yeah. I'm definitely not out there to convince people, you know. I know what I see, I know what we get, and if you believe in it, that's okay. If you don't, that's okay, and maybe someday you will. I don't know. There, there are always people that simply will not be convinced, no matter what. So. Yep. Yet, ironically, they still watch the show every week. Yeah, isn't that yeah. funny? <laughs> that is the weirdest thing ever, I know. The, there know? are people that just watch these you know, programs on the paranormal because they want to say, oh, it's a crock, but yet they still want to make sure that they're right. Yeah, yeah, which is okay, because then that boosts our ratings. <laughs> exactly. So kudos to them. Keep watching. <laughs> that, that, that is an interesting dichotomy, too. Uh, I mean, maybe Jay and Grant can speak more to this than, than you guys can, but it is interesting that you're out there and you're trying to pursue the truth of what's going on here and to get, capture hard evidence so they can prove to, to mainstream science that the paranormal does exist. And at the same time, you're putting on a television program you're trying to entertain. And is there ever a... a an instance where, you know, you, you, you go to a case that you're filming and, you know, nothing happens even remotely worth putting on television. Oh, that, that happens more than not, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Um, because I try to stress this. I mean, when you're getting in, in the classes that I teach, when you're getting into paranormal investigation, the main thing you have to have is patience, you know, because you can't just walk in and something's going to happen and it's going to be all bells and whistles. You know, you may go for weeks and months uh, investigating before something remotely or overtly paranormal will uh, manifest itself. Then again, sometimes you go into one place and everything's going off the walls. But it's it's just something you can't predict. It's so unpredictable. So, And, and in trying to create a, a television show, uh, at the same time, do you feel that being investigators, you also have to be television characters at the same time? It, no. it does kind of cross over. I mean, after a while, you forget the television cameras are there, yeah. and uh, yet you you do something, and then uh, the cameraman will say, oh, could you repeat that? And you say, well, what did I just say? I don't know. <laughs> well, I get the feeling that a lot of the uh, TAPS investigators that we've seen on television are just characters anyway. It yeah. seems that yeah. way. Yeah. Well, we are yeah. a bunch of characters, that's for sure. Like, yeah. uh, you know, guys like Brian and, and Dustin, they just seem like, you know, that's them. They're not putting on anything for the camera. Right. Yeah. I know Brian always was like that, so I've known him for years. And, so. and Steve's always seems very laid back. I mean, I've I've had some conversations with him. He was actually going to come help us investigate the library here in Fairhaven, where our studios are, mm -hmm. for a newspaper story. And uh, unfortunately, you guys took off for Kentucky the next day, so he couldn't make it. Oh, uh, that's the way it is. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it's it, it is an interesting. Uh, 
area around here, there's so much you know paranormal, so much haunted history in this area that you know you guys could go on for ten years filming just in New England oh, without sure. having to travel all over. Mm-hmm. And, that is true. And uh, what are what are some of the more outstanding cases in your mind of places that you've investigated locally, you know, in the New England area that have just stuck with you? Well, one of them is uh, Kristen's apartment. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I that stuck with her. The same yeah. thing, my house. <laughs> yeah. We were there a year ago, and we obtained an EVP, one of the bedrooms in her apartment uh, that said, uh, want out. Now, I don't know what that meant, whether it wanted us out or it, wa- it wanted to get out, but the uh, voice did say, want out. Hmm. Yeah. And is there any like landmarks uh, that you've investigated? You know, areas that or places that have a, a long publicized history of being haunted. I think Anawan Rock, Anawan Rock in Rehoboth is uh, that has a very long history, and uh, that's one place you're you're almost guaranteed to get paranormal phenomena if you visit there, especially at night. People uh, report uh, hearing drum beats or voices whispering and sometimes in different languages. But that is one place I'd say you're almost uh, guaranteed to get something there because of the long and tragic history where the Native Americans were just like, pushed out there in the great battle. And um, Anawan Rock is uh, it's, it's part of the uh, Bridgewater Triangle anyway, which is a uh, very, very... I would say uh, it's known for its uh, paranormal phenomena. Which has become a, a huge uh, phenomenon around here in terms of interest. I like to think that we're helping to fuel that because it's something I hadn't heard of until I started doing research for the show. And, you know, we post all of our shows up online, uh, SpookySouthCoast.com, throwing that little plug right there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can track how many people have downloaded our shows, and that show is huge. People are so interested in the Bridgewater Triangle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because so many people have had some sort of experience there oh yes yes a lot of experiences have you spent time in there outside of anawan rock investigating some of the other areas like uh the freetown state forest is a big one or i'm planning to go there i'm making uh, some trips there this summer so here and there i'm going to be uh, dotting all over the place there and i'm going to be trying to get as much evidence as possible well, from what we understand take somebody with you all right. Because it's really easy to get lost in there. Oh, yes, yeah. And, oh, no, I would never go along alone, you know. We, we have some people uh, that have been on the show. We have uh, Chris Pittman, who runs the Bridgewater Triangle website, mm-hmm. and he's the mass member of MUFON. And uh, we had Christopher Balzano of New England Paranormal Crossroads, uh, Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads, last week. And these are guys that have been in that area quite a bit, so I'm sure they would be more than happy to join you and, and give you the guided tour, so they say. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that would be great. No, I would never go alone there. <laughs> I want to come back out again. Exactly. And even besides the paranormal aspect to be afraid of, there's the you know the cult activity in there as well. So. Definitely. That, that's another problem with uh, visiting well-known haunted locations, that there is often cult activity associated with it. So you have to be very, very careful. You know, That's why we really don't like to go into cemeteries at night, because uh, it's, it's such a potentially dangerous situation there. Yeah, you actually almost have more to fear from the people you run into than the spiritual ones. Yes, right. What is it about uh, in, you know nighttime investigation? Is it just that spirits can't draw the energy during the day, or it's just we're not we're too busy during the day to? Well, spirits can be very active during the day. It's just that yeah. the nighttime for certain spirits, especially the inhuman variety, it's the uh, psychic hours. The psychic hours from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. And uh, with the high noon of uh, the um, 
say the witching hour, it's called, for lack of a better term, is midnight, of course, 12 midnight, 12 a.m. The high noon of the demonic is actually 3 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning. That's when it seems to be at its peak. Um, but for a regular a spirit of a lesser energy, they can, uh, they can be active any time of the day or night. It's just that because when you see light against light, it's harder to see. It's like shining a flashlight in the daytime. Mm-hmm. So sometimes against the darkness, it's easier for them to manifest. Well, do you think that the emergence of a spirit creates kind of like a, a ripple kind of a window, and that might be what these cults are drawn to is the fact that it's, you know, it's thinning out that membrane between here and the hereafter? Yes, very well put, by the way. Thank yeah, that, that's exactly it. Uh, I, I've always said since we started this show that this area especially seems to have that thin membrane, that thin window. It, it does. And, I totally agree. And Matt Moniz, our science advisor, suggests that it has to do with the, the water condu- conductivity in this area because we're surrounded by water, mm-hmm. and it helps uh, to perpetrate this, this energy. That's a good point. There's a haunted mill site in Foster that's uh, been haunted since, the, um, since 1822. It's been a known haunted area. And there was a suicide that took place there, but also because of the running water there, that's why it's it's such a it's so conducive to paranormal activity because it's such an energy source. And uh, Kristen will attest to this also. Many houses we go into, they say you, you're going to think I'm crazy, but my bathroom's haunted. Yeah. Well, a bathroom can be a hot spot because it's running water, so yeah. it's an energy source. And. and- and John Zaff is too with the water poltergeists has started to delve into that a bit as well. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, one of the main reasons that water is uh, such a hot spot, not just for ghosts, but for most things paranormal, is, like you said, water is a source of energy. These entities, beings, or spirits, whatever you wish to call them or whatever they are, look for a source to thrive on. Exactly. And uh, water is a great conductive source. It conducts both poles of energy. It is uh, both static and kinetic energy combined, depending upon whether the water is flowing or whether it is stagnant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure that you notice that when you have spirit activities, when a spirit is trying to manifest within the area, things that's when you start noticing the cold spots. It's trying exactly, to draw yeah. energy in, and when it interacts or makes something move, generally there's heat associated. Mm-hmm. You have endothermic, which is drawing energy out, making things cold, and exothermic, which is the excitation of energy being expressed out. Exactly. That's why we've come up against hot spots and cold spots. Well, we're coming upon a hot spot of commercials. Okay. And uh, we will take a break, and then on the other side, we will wrap things up with Keith and Kristen from TAPS, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, how you can get in touch with us all week long. We won't be on next week, thanks to the NCAA tournament again. And, you know, I'd be more happy about it if I was still alive in my brackets. (laughs) But uh, we will be right back after a few minutes. Stay tuned. That's right, we're Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg, Matt Costa, and Matt Moniz here. And we have Kristen and I'm assuming Keith is joining us again uh, here on the phone lines. Let's uh, bring up the phone button there. There we go. And hit Keith's button there. Okay, we are all ready to say our goodbyes, right, guys? 
Yes. All right. Well, uh, we we were just talking um, off the air uh, about some some things and about uh, you know draw you know how these spirits draw energy and hopefully we're putting forth the energy for them to draw upon each and every week when we talk about this kind of stuff. Hopefully we can help uh, spread the word and and make sure that this becomes part of mainstream science because just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Yep. I mean, there's so much stuff that we didn't understand 5, 10, 50, 100 years ago. Yeah, and, so. and it just keeps growing. Okay, well, uh, and, of course, people can get involved themselves by coming out to Keith's class on April 7th, uh, and we'll, we'll have a link to that on SpookySouthCoast.com. That's where you can get in touch with us all week long. You can email us. Uh, we have a new email address for our science advisor. That's scienceadvisor at SpookySouthCoast.com because I didn't want to have two Matt email addresses. That would confuse people. So you can send him all your evidence, send him your questions. He'll do what he can to help you figure it out. And, of course, if we can't figure it out, which is a good chance because Matt Costa and I certainly can't, if we can't figure it out for you, we will send all the information along to groups like TAPS, and they'll help you out as well. So we're not going to be on next week, as we said. But uh, anybody that needs to get in touch with us during the course of the week, just shoot us off an email. Jo- uh, join our message board and contact us there. Kristen's a member of our message board. Yay, I thank signed you f- up yesterday. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. I'm signed up as well. Yeah, Keith as well as yeah. well. Yes, he was one of the first people to sign up. So awesome. anybody that has any questions, you can drop them off there too. So we want to thank you very much for giving us all this time on a Saturday night. And, Thank uh, you, actually, for having me. Oh, well, it's our pleasure. Anytime you want to give us a call, you know, feel free. We are here for you. We are a platform for us to spread the word that this stuff is real, and we need to work together to figure it all out. So, right. I have one more quick ABT. Yes. It takes two seconds. Sure. Okay. Mine. Yeah, that was yours. <laughs> what exactly did we hear? We heard out, out. <laughs> that's uh, well, that's pretty much uh, Kristen and Keith at this point. They want out because yeah. <laughs> Actually, if you don't mind, Tim, I just want to say thank you to um, everybody that helps with our message board and um, our chat room. All the operators there because those people are awesome. Definitely, yeah. They really do put a lot of effort in. You know, to help us out when we can't do it. So just it is incredible too. As as much as we're trying to become a center for the paranormal here, what the the Taps website has done is phenomenal. Yeah, and those those guys really are like dedicated. They're really dedicated to helping us out all the time. So they deserve a you know quick thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, we and we do thank them. So for Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, for myself, Tim Weisberg, for Keith Johnson and Kristen Gartland, we thank you for joining us tonight, and we want you to stay spooktacular, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although... In many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again.